What's up, everybody? This is episode 111 of Cool Down Time. This is a weekly show where two ridiculously busy guys cool down and talk about video games. I am your graphically impressive host of the show, Marco, and joining me, as always, is the technical mess of the show, Pablo. Pablo is here, man. Pablo, how you doing, man? Talk to me. Yeah, man. If, you know, just busy. Every, every week, we, I open up and we talk about how busy we are. People don't give a fuck, but... You are tuned into our podcast, so listen to me complain. <laughs> it was the year was two thousand and seven, and no, I'm just kidding. Oh. Uh, no, no, it's just been a crazy, crazy week, uh, and you know, it's it's finally kind of calming down. This week, I hope to to have uh, things more under control and be able to play a little bit more video games. I, I didn't play as much as I'd like, especially with some new shit that we got going on now. So, uh, but how about yeah. you, man? Don't you love it when? a bunch of high-profile games come out that you've been waiting for, and then that happens to be the time you are the most busy in your yeah. life. That's what happens to me every year in games. Yeah, That one month of dreams where everything comes out is like, oh, that's when life is going to kick you in the ass. Yeah, that's what I feel like. Exactly, I feel like my yeah. June is quite literally, without exaggeration, about to be some of the busiest I've ever been in my like prof- quote-unquote professional career. Uh, mm. And it happens to be the month where we got some Diablo 4 and some Final Fantasy 16, so Perfect, perfect yeah. timing. Nothing like two long ass RPGs yeah. to come out uh, at the worst possible time. It's a good. It's a good thing. Uh, yeah, man, I'm with you though. Um, May kicked my ass. May whooped my ass silly. Um, but yeah, I am still recovering, man. It, it was a lot of stuff going on, good and bad. It was just highs and lows every couple of days man it was something new so i'm hoping life stabilizes a little bit so i can just get back into my little routine i i've become such a routine guy now as i've gotten older i don't like spontaneity anymore i don't like just oh we'll just play it by ear that's like kryptonite to me mm-hmm. i need to know my week or else i'm gonna be a mess because life can just get crazy <laughs> um but we have uh hopefully a crazy good episode this week pablo uh, speaking of which, why don't you go ahead and tell the people what is on the docket this week? Yeah, we got a quick loadout change to take. Uh, we took a flight out of Hyrule and traveled to the world, the sanctuary in Diablo 4. So we'll be talking about that. Konami answers some lingering questions about Metal Gear Solid Snake Eater. And we wrap up our hit points with some news coming out of Bloomberg involving factions and Redfall, which you don't want to miss. And we got some checkpoint goodness today. We're actually going to go back to 2022 and look at our top 10 game of the year list and we're gonna we're gonna rethink some things we're gonna talk about that absolutely we gotta we we definitely got some stuff to talk about with that list Mm -hmm. um but we will get to that in our main event of the show but before that let's jump into the first segment of the show dedicated to the games we've been playing since you listeners last heard from us that we call loadouts all systems nominal loadouts ready all right man so you kind of uh tipped our hand a little bit there at the beginning but we did take a temporary break from hyrule uh to go visit hell uh (laughs) by playing some diablo 4 uh both of us uh bit the bullet got the early access uh (laughs) version of the game at a a time when we're both at our busiest we decided we want to play the game four days early like that's going to be possible yeah uh but our dumbasses did that anyway. But we did get some hours in, Pablo, you and me. So um, I want to kind of kick it over to you first as 
I think you're an interesting kind of case study here because you are kind of more of a late bloomer to the Diablo um, series in terms of, you know, seeing the appeal and enjoying it. So I'm really curious, um, especially for listeners who might be kind of on the same boat, what you think about Diablo 4 so far mm-hmm. and how you think it's been appealing to you or not appealing to you yeah. uh, as as sort of a, a newbie, as it were. It's funny because being that that is the case, the things that attract me about Diablo 4 are not the things that usually attract people to Diablo games, which is like the loot hunting and that, uh, that gameplay loop. Really what attracts me to the game is the potential of the RPG elements, the open world and the story elements that they presented uh, throughout with the beta and that amazing introduction uh cgi and uh i I will tell you off rip diablo 4 uh is has ambiance just coming right off the charts uh from the open cinematic like i uh, like i mentioned set the tone to the open in the game where you go in that town where you feel like you you found some refuge and comfort and diablo 4 quickly reminds you uh there's no refugee Uh, there's no refuge here at all man the 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 you know the sequence I'm talking about in the beginning of the game where like you, you start drinking some alcohol, having a good time because you just helped the town uh, get some <laughs> shit done and things go south really quick. So stuff like that and the contextual storytelling stuff is really dope. And then that's my introductory into the kind of loot uh, of it all and then the gameplay and then just kind of like I've never really been a person, even though I am an, an Elden Ring or, or I should say Souls-like fan, where I don't really plan my loadouts. What I do or my... or my builds my character builds what I do is like whatever gear I get and I like or weapon then I start building from there but I came into Diablo 4 with a very specific goal in mind and that's something called uh the whirlwind barbarian I did pick the barbarian and the reason I wanted to do this is because of the fact that uh taking on a lot of enemies at one time and just kind of the animations that that, that the game has are are purely uh, great and I felt like that would get the most fun out of it and I have not been uh, led astray at all Uh, just kind of building towards Mm. that and being excited when I get some loot dropping or being excited when I get a new ability point and and, and drop that into my build and just seeing my build flourish and and seeing my build grow and the things that I want to do that that planning of that out and, and seeing that happen right before my eyes is absolutely amazing and it's a new layer to 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 this these kinds of games and then obviously um what what i really like about everything else is just how that this becomes this feels like a whole package to me you know you have the story elements you have the fact that it does feel like an open world rpg you have the fact that it does have the elements that people love about diablo about the loot drops and then obviously the character building the rpg and character building all that stuff is top notch and it just coalesces into this incredible package of a game that it's really hard to put down because no matter where you're looking no matter where you're playing no matter where you're going there's something there for you i got this world event happening here i got great drops i have have the story moment happening over here and then i'm just kind of going off into the distance playing these these really cool areas and finding these uh um i forgot what they call them they're like these not, not dungeons they're like um anyway like little spots like two like two rooms only and oh yeah yeah, yeah and yeah. and finding those and finding some cool stuff some getting some gold and then doing the side quest it's some really stupid weird side quests that really are cool most of them are most of them are fetch questy but they're still really cool and i really like just because they lead to more 
loot. That's kind of the name of the game here. So it, this is just like a 360 experience for me, and I'm really enjoying everything about it. And it's weird because coming off of Zelda, which we'll talk about in a little bit, going into that next game is always difficult for, for me going from an incredible game going into the next game. There's always feels like there's something missing, and I can tell you I've not I've not – I've not missed a beat in terms of like it's not Zelda, sure, but it is it's 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 as special, I think. It's as good as that game within its genre, right? Whatever Zelda was trying to do with theirs, Diablo is 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 excelling in there. So I'm loving pretty much every moment of this game so far. Uh how about you, Marco? I know you're coming from a little different uh aspect. You you you're, you've always been a Diablo fan, at least Diablo three from from, from my recollection. Uh so how yeah. how are you feeling about it? What's your take on it? You know, you make a interesting point talking about like coming off the heels of playing a game like Zelda, because yeah. uh, that was actually a point that I was going to make too, uh, ironically, because you're right. Um, it's hard to feel, especially when you play a game as timeless as as Tears of the Kingdom is, which, like you said, we'll get into in a second here. Um, that empty feeling is no joke. Yeah. So, you know, any game you play after that is almost like fodder, you know, for like, oh, this isn't Zelda. (laughs) And it's not even trying to be like Zelda, but you do that dumb (laughs) mental comparison. I don't feel the same way I felt, you know, but um, yeah, I mean, I'm I am uh, kind of astonished at how good this game is, not because I'm, you know, I've had wavering feelings about Diablo as a series. It's it's actually because this is like way more content than I thought we were going to get. Um, this game is massive. That open world, I didn't know it was that big. Yeah, I, mean, I didn't really. I, I didn't play a lot of the beta. I didn't. I didn't want to like ruin too much of the game, like a lot of people were doing for themselves, and then lose all your progress. Yeah, I. I kind of came into it as fresh as I could. I didn't know it was that big. I didn't know there was that many things that you can do in this world. I didn't know there was that much content, um, particularly with end game content, which is not something I dabble in a whole lot, but I have in the past, and it can be a little meandering in some cases over the over the years and in other cases like this one especially it feels really really dense with like a lot of stuff to keep really hardcore diablo fans coming back for more um it's just profuse with content and that's like the value proposition here is undeniable it's just it's worth the money uh just in, in that aspect alone then you get into the things that make it kind of an improvement over, you know, its predecessors. Uh, the art style is definitely one of them. Presentation is definitely one of them. Uh, it's definitely more of a darker gothic style, whereas a lot of people had issues with three being a little too colorful and vibrant and cartoony. This goes back to like old school Diablo two style aesthetics, which is really really cool. Um, I like the uh, the way that the story beats are kind of moving along so far. It's not it's not exciting stuff per se, but this it, it Diablo has always had this really like dark brooding undercurrent that they do exceptionally well, where you always feel a bit off and uneasy because the world is so you know literally demonic and and whatnot, and it it does that same thing really well this time too, where it's like you feel kind of it's like suffocatingly yeah. like dark and, and gloomy, but you like it because you know that's what it's trying to do. Uh, so I enjoy that a lot. Um, haven't had a chance to to do co op with you as of this recording yet, but I, I want to get into that to kind of see how that sort of feels working in tandem with somebody. But I will say that the uh, spontaneous, like running into randoms yeah. and doing like live, like you know those um, whatever you call those things, those 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 events 
uh, world events yeah. together. That's been actually kind of enjoyable. Yeah, um, it has been. It's in a way, it's almost like what I wanted Destiny to feel like. You know, where it's like, okay, we're just kind of working together, and then we go our separate ways. It always felt uh, like like a little too annoying with destiny whereas this is like oh there's somebody doing that thing i'll, I'll go help them and I'll, I'll get some loot out of it anyway so it's just very seamless and it doesn't feel like it's intrusive it's not trying to force you into anything whereas again I, I hate to keep picking on destiny here but destiny kind of wants to guide you to the well here's the microtransaction stuff you can do over there guess what if you want to you know transmog your outfit you can uh you can buy some colors, you know, like yeah, yeah, this yeah, game yeah. just lets you have cut. Like you can just look however you want to look. So I, I like that they aren't very, uh, at least at launch, they're not trying to shove like dollars and cents, you know, buy this, buy that. Like obviously they have a battle pass. They do have a shop, but um, it doesn't feel like they're constantly trying to shove that down your throat and make you do anything. Well, no, so there's nothing in game, at least from what I've experienced that ever leads you to the store. It's in the menu, right? And if exactly. you want to go there, you can. And if you don't, you don't. I, I, I've, right. I look through the store, and even the, 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 the stuff they have in the store isn't necessarily like, oh, like I must have. It's like really common. Or it's like really cool outfits, but nothing that's must have. And that's just saying like, right. Usually, if they were really pushing those microtransactions, they'd have like the dopest shit ready to go because they're really trying mm-hmm. to entice you. They're just going about their business here in terms of like uh what they have to offer now i don't know how that's going to change in the future i know july come july there's going to be some uh seasonal stuff dropping and right. you know i don't know what exactly how how they're going to do to to entice people to, to to pay more money for that kind of stuff but i'm 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 excited to see what that entails even you know uh yeah. I, i'm not even i when it comes to like these season pass stuff, if it, if it isn't Rainbow Six, I'm not really fucking with it too much. But uh, Diablo seems like an interesting proposition in terms of like a forever game, even like a different kind mm-hmm. of those one games where I can check in. I will say one thing that I was kind of like, oh, it's the the loot the loot drop isn't really like like th- in terms of the rares doesn't happen that often, especially in the world events. And I realized that if you hang around in the area long enough, that world events restarts. And so maybe yeah. that's probably why you're not getting like the best drops because you can just sit there and like, kind of like uh, right. go through it a lot. So that kind of sucks just a little bit just because I had like this epic moment where I, it was like, it felt like 30 of us just uh, having this epic fight. And I got really cool, this decent loot, but then I walked away and came back and it was like, it started over again. It was like ten other people there. I'm like, oh, okay. It's, a, it's one of those. Things. You see the you see the cracks in, in the ceiling just a little bit, you know, uh, and that's a, yeah. but that's just kind of that what that game is. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's always a balancing act of that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. They know people can try to manipulate the system a little bit and you know just farm and get you know all the greatest loot in the world and then just kind of break the economy and everything. So I they have to be careful with that. Uh, for balancing purposes, and that's that's just kind of an unavoidable no, truth. Sure. But um, it is a little annoying sometimes to feel like you did this like really hard thing or this Herculean thing you did, and then you get like, eh, here's some random stuff. But you know, again, I get it. In a way, I respect it though because it's like, okay, a rare item is a actual rare, rare item. item. Like it's they it, they kind of legitimize those terms. Whereas I think a lot of times in in a lot of other live service games or loot heavy games they kind of just throw that label on things to you know incentivize you to go get the shiny object 
but it's yeah. it, it kind of loses its meaning because they throw such an overabundance of legendary, mythical, you know, like what is the fucking next tier yeah, of yeah, like yeah. saying something is hard to find, you know what <laughs> I mean? So uh, it just gets ridiculous after a while. But um, but yeah, I, I do understand the other side of the coin, though. It can be a little bit like, okay, I'm kind of tired of getting the same blue stuff, you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. But, um, but we are both early in the game, so we oh. have to kind of see how that sort of moves along. That's true. How long have you put into it? Just curious, like otherwise. Um, so I've been I've been kind of doing this like dual playthrough of oh, that's right, yeah. a necromancer and a sorcerer. Um, I've committed actually to the sorcerer build to complete the game. Actually, I'm having more fun with with that character for some reason. I'm usually a necromancer main, but. Um, I don't know, for some reason it's just not clicking at this point, or maybe it's because I did it so much in Diablo 3 that it's kind of like old hat for me now, yeah. and I want to do something different. Um, but I'm having a blast with the Sorcerer. She does a lot of crowd control stuff, my character, like with a lot of lightning stuff and chain attacks. Uh, so I'm actually finding that it's more enjoyable, whereas it, opposed to the Necromancer where you're just kind of watching your little skeleton army do all the hard work for you, it doesn't yeah. feel as interactive. So I guess I wanted something a little bit more involving, and this is kind of giving me that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, having a great time. I think altogether I probably put in maybe nine hours, eight, nine okay, hours, okay, yeah. give or take. Yeah, um, I put a little, so, yeah. I, I put a little under that. Um, I mean, probably like five hours, honestly. Uh, and that's just been like bit piece here and there. But yeah, the, our, yeah. the reason I picked Barbarian is because I wanted to get right in there. And I just, I love the way that, I love the way the Barbarian feels in this game. I, not that it felt bad in Diablo 3. It's just the animations in 4 are just so amazing. When I do my whirlwind attack, you see these pieces yeah. of, of just, of, of the enemy just flying around everywhere. It's just fucking fantastic. And it should happen around you. It's like, uh, the performance, by the way, is pretty outstanding. I've had a little bit of kind of like some some um, stuttering, but not having to do with the performance, more or less like it looked like the server was loading or something. Uh, but other than that, it's been amazing. Yeah, I would agree. Also, um, on top of that, I think uh, the, only, the only other little quirk I saw was that I think some cinematics are 30 frames per second on console. So it goes from 30 to 60 in, mm. in actual gameplay, which is kind of weird because I don't think the beta did that. Um, so I don't know if they're going to toggle that at some point down the road. I know PC has a toggle option for 30 frame cinematics, which is, it's a weird little quirk, but my eyes are a little bit more frame sensitive to that, that kind of thing. So I do notice that like that switch over. Um, but otherwise, yeah, I think as far as the servers go, seeing that queue thing for that split second was like, Oh no, not this again, yeah. not overwatch two all over again. But then it, it, it logged me right in. So I was like, okay, good. They, all that server slam thing they were they were kind of hyping up actually yeah. must have paid off and it didn't turn out to be no, like marketing for hype. Sure. Now, as yeah. a kid of as a, and this is not a, this is not a, this is a, not a, a blaming Blizzard at all because this is the way their games are set up. But as a as a father of a one year old, I wish that there was a pause button. God damn it. <laughs> man's Yo. flipping out on the other side of the room and I can't pause it because I walk over and I'm getting attacked by like 17 skeletons and one big ass arctic bear I'm like what the fuck <laughs> what's going on you know, they had arctic bears in hell yeah, what are we know. doing here what is happening um no, but it's a good time for sure. I think we'll probably be uh, talking about this for the next uh, couple episodes oh, yeah. to kind of catalog how this is panning out, especially once we try to uh, dabble in some co-op and, and see how that works out too. Yeah. Uh, get our little get our little clan started here. Um, but Pablo, let's go ahead and transition to the next game on our list, which uh, I guess is the finale of the big saga that we've had for the last few episodes about the Legend of Zelda: Tears of the Kingdom. Uh, Pablo, you and I both finished this uh, immaculate game. Uh, spoilers, we liked it. 
Um, but yes, we are done with the game. Um, but spoiler free, Pablo, uh, tell me kind of your closing thoughts about the game now that you've seen it all the way through to the conclusion and um, where this kind of sits with you as a Zelda fan now. Yeah, I mean, I, I will say that it's definitely a game. I finished the story, but I'm, I'm going to keep out. I am going to keep playing um, just to, to go through some shrines. I want to get through the Lost Woods, do that a little bit. Uh, but, man, I'll tell you right now. Um, I think for me, uh, I can officially say that Tears of the Kingdom is my second favorite Legend of Zelda game of all time. Uh, and it'll probably, and it will have a place in my top 10 uh, this year, obviously, and all time as well. Uh, I don't want to be too redundant. I know listen, people have listened back to, to last week's episode. I feel the same way. Astonishing game. I, I just It just blows me away. But that ending and just... The way the epicness of the ending—it's kind of like uh, a culmination of technology and advancement in game development, and what I always felt like as a child playing Zelda games coming together, and as an adult giving me that actual vision without me having to use my imagination. I remember back in Ocarina of Time, top of Hyrule Castle, you know, Ganondorf turns into a dragon, and he looks cool and all that, but, um, you know, those are the kind of things that happen in that story where it's like, oh, this is awesome, and then you, you play, we play, you know, here, and then the, just the shit that's happening at the end of that game is like, oh my god, like, this is amazing, I can't believe that they pulled this off, I can't believe they did that, so it's the difference between, you know, Ocarina of Time and having that, that, oh, Oh, this looks cool, but I can imagine this being more epic. And then playing that in in uh, in Tears of the Kingdom and just being absolutely amazing is kind of like next level. So I I, I just love that ending. I love what they did. I love uh, everything leading up to that. The the quest was super hard. They they didn't hold your hand through it at all. I'll tell you that right now. Your hand was not held through it at any way, shape, or form. Uh, it was pretty challenging. So I like that because the game was kind of missing a little bit of that challenge part of it. Uh, but right when it got to the end and kind of going to that, I was kind of like, oh, my God. This is kind of like fucking a little bit like hard mode in, in, in a little bit, mm-hmm. especially trying to find um, that, that final uh, final quest. But, um, yeah, man, I, I 85 hours into it. Uh, just kind of, I done a lot, but I just feel like there's so much more to, 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 to explore. I've just recently, I found a new spot that I've never been to. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, obviously there's a lot of those areas, but it's just like a whole other thing happening right now. And I'm like, holy shit. Uh, but man, this game is amazing. I mean, I, I've talked about it in length uh, throughout the weeks. Uh, there's not much that I can really say now without going into spoilers. Maybe we'll have a spoiler talk about the the game uh, in later episodes, or maybe we'll obviously in the game of the year we'll we'll talk about it then. But yeah, there's just so much that I don't want to kind of talk about because I feel like if I keep talking, I'm gonna fucking start spoiling shit. <laughs> you almost teetered already. Uh, no, you I get I, on my damn nerves. What, I know what you're talking about, but I wasn't gonna bring that part up. But I should have probably not brought up the other thing but if they don't put it together they don't know what you know if they, if they haven't right. seen it they don't know what the fuck i'm talking about you might have to bleep yourself out if you if, if, you, if you're so inclined but uh yeah yeah so um for me um yeah this was a a, a banger until the, the very end um the finale was definitely jarring at first but in a good way um because it it really like to you to your point it was it's, it's one of those moments where it's like all right go figure it out yeah and some games suck at doing that some games do that in a way where it feels like, oh, fuck you. I don't want to go figure it out. Yeah. Like, you know, but it, but this game is kind of the opposite in that um, it, it, it kind of makes you think critically 
um, and sort of deduce where uh, your next step of, of the mission should be. Um, and I think that it, it felt gratifying to kind of connect the dots and go, Oh, well that's probably where I should go look. And then, and then it ends up being the correct place. Um, so I agree with you there. Um, the, the end sequence, especially to me was, um, incredible. You know, I, I thought that was just absolutely sensational. I was on my feet, uh, for that whole portion of, of the ending. Um, it was just, it was mind blowing. And I rolled credits on that game. I immediately, and I've never done this before. I went back to a, the, a save right before the final boss um, fight. And I just kept playing the game. Yep. Uh, it, it was, it was almost like I felt weird not being able to play it anymore. Um, you know, it's like saying goodbye to somebody at the airport and then like you walk away, but then you guys like run together and hug one more time. <laughs> like that's what that feeling was for me. It's like, no, I don't want to let you do. So I, I, I kept playing a little bit more. I spent more time in the depths actually, which is something I kind of didn't do for most of my playthrough. And I explored more of that area and actually kind of got into a, an interesting little rhythm there uh, and ended up liking the depths more than I kind of did uh, initially. So yeah. it is a game I'm going to come back to as well. Um, right now, I, I kind of need to deprioritize it because I want to really give Diablo 4 my full attention uh, as well as the next game that I'm going to talk about. Um, but, you know, obviously, you know, as Pablo said, we've talked about this game many times for the last few weeks and uh, yeah. it has become quite good. Uh, to say the very least, I, I will say I, I I I'm having a little bit of hard trouble in like letting it go. So I still kind of turn it on every day, and I'm kind of like find a shrine and then call it a night. You know, not really yeah. putting too much, but it, it is it is a game that I do have to at least put aside at least for a little while uh, for Diablo reasons and 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 Final Fantasy is coming soon, and I I still want to play Rainbow Six a little bit more. Um, okay, but I have something to say though, and I know that you've talked about the depths. I got a little bit of a hot take. I think um, we'll see how people feel about this, how you feel about this. Um, after so many hours in the game, I feel a little let down about one of uh, one of the aspects of of this game itself, and that would be. The Sky Islands. Um, I think that it's used beautifully when it comes to the Wind Temple. Um, and I won't spoil much there. But in terms of how that's used, I thought it was outstanding and a great uh, opening impression, like first impression of how, what, how those things can be utilized. Unfortunately, as the playtime progressed, I mean, there's at least 40 hours of my playtime where I didn't go to a Sky Island at all. And I think that when you look at things like the depths, at the very at the very least, they're de facto hard mode in, in the depths, right? There are things that you have to actually explore in terms of turning those light, turning on, illuminating the depth, and, and just kind of the even the treasures you find on there are far more interesting than anything that you find in the Sky Islands. I feel like story wise, the weakest explanation, story wise, the weakest explanation on anything is the existence of those islands. Uh, and I feel like it just for me, not that it, not I appreciate that they exist because they ha they serve for that verticality, but in terms of how they were shown to us and how they were kind of marketed as this is what makes this game different, that is far from the truth in my opinion. I think what makes the game different is the is is uh, your your abilities and even the depths to a certain uh, extent, and the and the fact and the focus on the story itself. I think the Skylands are cool. I, I really do. I just think that for me, they felt almost 
like they made the depths, they made the game, they made the story, they made the abilities, and they're like, this needs something else. And I think that they might have felt like that to me at least, because uh, it, it, it it's not a negative towards the game. It's a cool thing to have. It's just the way that it was shown, and then what it actually was to me just never just never felt like must have in in this in this game. And I think this game is so smart with everything, and then they they everything that mm-hmm. they have is is for a reason. It, I felt like they struggled to explain to me why the Skylands existed in the way that they existed. That's just kind of my the way I feel about yeah, it. Yeah, I can see that point of view. I think they I think they approached it more from here's this anomaly that we don't understand, right. and I think that they kind of left it intentionally vague to not, you know, purposely say, well, here's the exact reason why this happened, you know. And I, I think that kind of added to the mystique of the Sky Islands to where I was always curious when I was up there of like, oh, I just wonder what this is like all about up here. And I think it it, it was kind of cool that they didn't give you a, like a clear answer. I thought that I like I liked the ambiguity a little bit, but I do see your point of view. Um, I, I definitely do. Um, but it's time to move on, Pablo, to our last couple of games on our loadouts. Go ahead and uh, walk me through your your uh, next one, if you don't mind. Yeah, my next one's super quick. I know you guys don't give a fuck. This is just uh, <laughs> it's posterity's sake. Rainbow Six dropped a new season, a a new operator, a rework of a very uh, old map, and I just have to say, I, I just love what they keep they're doing here with these seasons. I mean, they're not changing the mm-hmm. world, they're not Fortniteing it where they're changing the entire maps or, you know, uh, doing something crazy. But it's just they're, they're so solid in their meta and how an addition to one character and one change to the one character changes the way you think about the game and what character you're going to pick. Like there's the new character called Fenrir, and ostensibly there's a character I use called Smoke. He makes Smoke pretty much irrelevant in this current meta uh, and then the rework to Grim, which is another operator that I started using is a great counter to uh, a, a someone like Fenrir who's new to the whole game so it's like these little tweaks that they do are all they're not just trying to make the operator uh, good or relevant in the meta they're, they're trying to make it good within the meta that they're creating for this season itself and I think that it's pretty it's cool what they're doing uh, it's a game that they want to stick around to 2035 and I think that's a bold claim by anybody uh, but I think that the way that they're going about it the way that they're uh, slowly changing characters and the way they play and the way that isn't uh, egregious and you feel like oh my god this player plays nothing like before but rather these slow kind of death by a thousand cuts type changes that before you realize this character plays completely different when he played before a couple of years ago but you don't mind it because it fits in that meta I think they're incredibly smart over there and that's not something you'd be so has been known for and you know smart game uh, uh, development uh, and they're they're just fucking killing it right now uh, and I love it man it's it's really really good yeah definitely be checking that out we both bought the battle pass we're, we're, we're those we're those nerds uh, so we'll be playing a good amount of that when time permits mm-hmm. uh, if, if life allows us um, so um, you know what do you do when you're playing Diablo 4 uh, you, you play a game that's just like it like coffee talk yeah <laughs> Yeah, let's go. Um, so uh, a couple months back, or whenever it was, uh, you know, Pablo talked about playing the sequel that recently came out. Uh, it's a pretty good reviews, and um, it is a very much a uh, story driven. Um, if you, I guess, it's a point and click in 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 a you know kind of light way. Yeah. Um, story of of being a barista and in this fantasy world uh, of it's Seattle, but it's like a 
fantastical version of Seattle where these mythical, you know, races like orcs and so on all live here. Um, and they get into a lot of cultural and societal themes and stuff like that. And you just kind of like, you know, serve people drinks and listen to them talk. And it's actually become, um, I'm playing the first game right now. I'm going to play the second game, obviously. Um, and it's become, you know, a, a pretty enjoyable and relaxing experience to, um, you know, kind of jump in the game and, you know, work a day at this at this coffee shop and uh the atmosphere is great the music is great the the dialogue is great the characters are great um it's just a really chill ass game that i find um really working for me in this pocket of time that i'm in right now where everything is like really chaotic as hell and you just want to sit down relax and just shoot the breeze with with people but you you can't because everybody else is busy this is almost like a (laughs) surrogate for that in a weird roundabout way and it's kind of dope so um i don't don't want to spend a lot of time on it because it's a very niche game a lot of people are like what the fuck are you talking about a coffee game for um but it is really cool it's on game pass um it you know Go check it out uh, if you're interested in something very narrative-driven. It's really, really dope, and I, I am uh, very curious to see what the second game does yeah. that improves on the first, because I'm loving the first well, one. It's funny, because we talk about ambiance. We just talked about Diablo 4, and we're like, oh, it's like scary, and, 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 and like just makes you feel uncomfortable. This the game does the opposite of that. Um, Total opposite. Like, it, it's almost, like, there's a, I forget if it's the first or second game, because they kind of bleed together for me here. There's a part where it's, it's a day, you're serving coffee, and it's raining, it's thundering out there. And it just feels so like it's so cozy. It's man. cozy, yeah. And it's like, oh man, this feels like I'm right at home, yeah. dude. It, and they really pull that off with like, yeah, it's it's amazing, and it, I love it. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah, it, it, if the second game is as good as the first one is, then it'll be it'll it'll have something to say on this game of the year thing oh, we're gonna be doing yeah, it's uh, for this year. I th- personally, I think it is. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's it's got the chops for sure. Uh, but that is going to do it for our loadouts this week, ladies and gentlemen. We will keep you posted on how things are going on the Diablo front and uh, with other games that might be uh, in our rotation as well. Uh, but in the meantime, if you like what you're hearing so far, consider subscribing to our show. Uh, I, I think we have a pretty cozy show here, Pablo. Uh, <laughs> with the exception of, of your erratic nature. Um, we do drop new episodes every Monday on all streaming services, including the one you're listening to right now. And we also have audio-only episodes now up on YouTube. Uh, you can find us there at It's Cooldown Time if you want to subscribe. Uh, and if you're feeling extra cool, which I think you are, follow us on IG and Twitter at It's Cooldown Time as well to keep us uh, in your FOV in between episodes. But... Let's go ahead and keep the show going, Pablo, with the news segment of the show that we call Hit Points. For breaking news, rumors, and booty juice, it's time for Hit Points. All right, man. So uh, Bloomberg was busy. (laughs) (laughs) They were out here working, man. Uh, Got two stories based on some Bloomberg reports here. Let's go ahead and kick things off with the first one. Pablo, according to a Bloomberg report, uh, Bungie recently performed an internal audit for The Last of Us factions and expressed concern to Sony executives about the game's inability to sustain player engagement. As a result, the project is undergoing a shakeup. Development will continue, but with a smaller team, with most developers moving on to other projects. Now, Pablo, uh, with the amount of anticipation we've had of seeing this project make uh, its its uh, debut, and then finding this out 
after the PlayStation Showcase. How do we feel about this news? And are we surprised about Naughty Dog going through these types of challenges? I'm not, I'm not, I will say that I'm not surprised because this is a complete different beast from what they usually make. Single player, story driven games. This is a open world game as service type of destiny like that they were trying to do. So I figured that they would run into some issues. It is surprising that Bungie came in and it's kind of like, hey, you're not going to keep players engaged. Also, the fact that Bungie, they're using Bungie for kind of that barometer is a little bit concerning as well. But, you know, they are, they do have probably one of the most successful kind of those games. So I get, I get the, you know, getting advice from them. Um, yeah, I, 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 I'm wondering what exactly was the tipping point. Jeff Grubb was on his podcast and he said another huge factor was the fact that they got to a certain point where they had to make decisions on microtransactions, battle passes, and that the teams were pretty much out at that point. They had not wanted to do nothing with that and that most of them got relocated to other projects because they wanted out of that project at that point. So maybe the fact that they weren't heavy on microtransactions or loot or whatever the case may be factored into the fact that how are you going to keep people engaged if there's none of these things on there which is kind of a, a catch-22 like we need microtransactions also fuck microtransactions it's the thing that keeps people mm-hmm. bringing back to, to the thing and makes that money so I, i'm not I, i'm just curious as to what is this game what would they what exactly what they're they're trying to do are they trying to do a destiny like or are they trying to do like a um like um I'm blanking out on the game. Of course, I haven't done this Here in a while. Here we go. The game that Xbox does with the zombies. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not helping you with Redfall. No, Is that no, what you're talking no, about? No, State no. of Decay? State of Decay. There we go. Jesus. Wow. My brain is <laughs> shit balls. Shit. Whether it's a kind of State of Decay oh. where it's like, it's not really multiplayer. It's it's in... in it's. <laughs> whatever man my brain is shit something's really wrong with this man every time we hit record he forgets 90 percent of games that ever existed my I don't brain know what's is in a state man. of decay man what can i tell you I, wow. what can i do it just is what it is good uh, save good save uh, all right keep but going no man if, if that's what they wanted to do that kind of experience it, there's just a lot of questions my my i would be okay if they just kind of let this go um just just let it go into the ether and just walk yourself into development of The Last of Us 3. That's what we really want. The reason people are clamoring over this because they want they want more Last of Us. Just give us more Last of Us at this point. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's kind of where I'm at on this. I'm not totally surprised, but I'm still curious as to what exactly the fuck they're trying to do here. Yeah, I have a lot of opinions here. First and foremost, um, you know, I, I am I'm very self-aware. I know that we have been on this show many weeks and we have thrashed Xbox for these types of troubled development headlines. So I think it was important to put this story in here um, to make sure that you know we let our listeners know that this is not a biased podcast. We don't we don't we're not just here to you know clown Xbox and then sweep PlayStation's issues under the rug. It's annoying that this is going on for this game, but it makes sense in terms of like okay, where has this game been? This kind of fills in some blanks, even though we don't have specifics. Like you said, it does seem to make sense that, oh, okay, trouble development. Got it. Um, You said something kind of in passing that I actually want to lean into a little bit more. Um, You talked about briefly, like, the bungee factor. Like, why are they kind of the litmus test for, you know. I think that's a big factor. Um, 
on a couple of fronts. Number one, I want to say this. Bungie is not like the cream of the crop when it comes to live. Like, I guess my, my point is this, okay? Not every game has to be games as a service, and not every game has to do it the Bungie way to be successful. So the fact that like a, a franchise like The Last of Us, of all things, is not Bungie enough is a little bizarre to me. <laughs> like it just it's it's a it's a weird contrast. Like you're trying to turn a square peg into a round hole because the round hole is the thing that fits in everywhere. It, it's weird, man. Like Bungie does not know all the tricks of the trade, especially when you look at the history of Destiny. Like they have had some dark ass years with that IP and they've turned it around a couple times but even to this day their expansion content goes from great one time to the next time it's it's absolutely garbage like the most recent one I heard people really don't like it at all like they are not exactly the models of consistency with live service them damn selves so who are they to be like the internal audit team that goes around and goes that's not going to work that's not going to work that has a chance like based on what like if if all they're doing is saying that oh the game's not going to be successful because it doesn't have a battle pass or because the battle pass isn't interesting like who the fuck is Bungie to, to, to be like in this position of power at Sony? Like, I just don't like that they're, they're this like deciding factor in what's viable or what's not. Like, I would be totally okay as a Last of Us fan with playing a multiplayer experience that is not designed to be live service. Not every multiplayer online game has to last for five years. Fuck's sake. Like some games can be, you know, like the old school era where, you know, it has five, six, seven, eight months, maybe a year of a heyday. And then it kind of, you know, it trickles off and then other things take over. Like not every game has to be built to survive year after year after year of a lifespan. So it's just weird that that's what they were trying to pigeonhole this game into. Um, and that that drove literally some people to walk away from the project entirely. I just think that sucks. And it's. Um, it's really, it's giving a lot of credence to this new Jim Ryan era of live service over everything. And it just feels like a very crude way of doing it. Um, where you won't let a good last of us multiplayer game be a good last of us multiplayer game because it's not Bungie enough because it's not destiny enough. Fuck off. Like let that game be what it is. You know, and if its shelf life is not two, three, or four years, then so be it. If it's yeah. fun, it's fun, you know. And but if wonder, it, it doesn't last forever, it's cool. But I wonder if that they themselves were lost with it. Because, you know, if you guys know anything about factions, it was just a multiplayer suite that was added to The Last of Us, or it, 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 it launched with it. And it was just basically, you know, you craft some items and you kill the other team. And it was fun as hell. We and Marco mm -hmm. enjoyed it quite a bit. And an expansion of that with different modes would be cool. But I wonder what they specifically wanted in terms of who knows what it is and what it isn't. So it, it's Fucking weird. emotes or something dumb like that? Yeah, Come on, man. Yeah, but then again, it's doing? like Neil Druckmann's involved. Like, it just feels like they were trying to make factions the next... Uh, major entry point into the last of us without it being the exact sequel which i thought was fucking interesting as hell uh so i just i just hope i have a feeling that we're not actually going to ever see this game um i think yeah, that I uh if anything it'll whatever some ideas he might have had might kind of melt down or trickle into what the last of us three maybe they'll kind of have some multiplayer stuff on it mm -hmm. but we'll see yeah, yeah, we will see. But uh, Bloomberg was not done because Pablo 
Jason Schreier also published an expose about Red Falls Rocky development. Uh, this was something that you, I think, <laughs> offhand predicted would happen. Like, I can't wait for the Jason Schreier piece about this. What happened? Well, we got it. Yep. And apparently, uh, the game reportedly suffered from several internal issues, including insufficient resources, high staff turnover, low salaries, and unclear uh, direction. Uh, we also learned that Redfall even had a significant microtransaction plan in place, which is something I said, um, that was in place for the first three years of its development before those plans were eventually scrapped. Uh, those types of problems cumulatively left uh, some members of Arcane Austin hoping for either a pivot to a single-player-only experience or a full-blown cancellation. Um, however... Microsoft remained hands-off and allowed things to persist while Bethesda's leadership channeled their inner Bioware and assured their staff that quote-unquote arcane magic would manifest. So, now that we know more about the behind-the-scenes for Redfall's development, Pablo, what are your takeaways? I mean, honestly, relief, because I mean, I love Arcane, and then putting out Redfall's like, that's not Arcane. And it's because it really wasn't. It really wasn't what they wanted to do. It's a fucking. Basically, it was a game that was being built to entice buyers that, hey, we have games that services uh, being developed. And once they were purchased, they were like, all right, let's cancel this piece of shit. Next one's like, all right, you guys keep doing what you're doing. They're like, what? <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, man, I. This. Again, not surprised by this. I mean, th that game launched like a complete and utter fucking mess. And it only makes sense that the in the internals of all this were complete fucking messes as well. Uh, you know, I, I wish that Xbox would have... I, I want to know what, what Phil saw here and decided to release. I wonder if some kind of like contractual thing. I wonder if it's like some money thing. They don't want to take the loss for the game. Because, you know, if they were internally hoping they would cancel it and they didn't, that sounds crazy that, that it just they let it just come out. They're like, they called their bluff and they're like, yeah, you release that shit. Go ahead. And they did it. And it's fucking <laughs> trash. It's, it, it's, it's weird. It's just such a weird situation. I mean, video games are hard to make to begin with. Uh, the fact that after all this time, Xbox bought them and still let them make a game that nobody apparently wanted to make uh, is insane to me. And it's all all over this fucking thing. It's all over it. Yeah. You can tell as 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 early as last year, this had very heavy battle pass store stuff. So you can tell that they were scrambling um, at all at all times as to what this game was actually going to be. Yeah. And you never make a bad game by accident. You know, there's always a reason. There's yeah. always something that attributes to it. And, man, you're telling me you don't have enough manpower. You're telling me people are quitting. You're telling me you're paying them like crap. And you don't know what the hell you want to make half the way. I mean, yeah, that's a recipe for a bad game. Um, and then now it's kind of at a point where, yeah, okay, yeah, Redfall was a failure. You move on. But guess what? They said 70% of the team that was there for you know, Prey and uh, other, you know, the, just the old school arcane formula, they're gone. So now you don't even have that talent to, to revert back to yeah. the bread and butter type of game of now. Damage, so, yeah. So it's, 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 um, it's unfortunate. You're like, you know, look, I mean, after the Phil Spencer interview, I kind of promised myself I'm going to call off the hounds and I'm, I'm going to do that here because this is all in the past. You know, I, I really look forward to seeing what Microsoft from here on, does to make sure that this doesn't happen again 
Um, but it does go to show you that some projects are just not made to, you know, be successful. And yeah. and this is this is also why cancellation should be a viable path for publishers. You know, um, sometimes shit just needs to get canceled, and it's okay. It's it's bad news, but guess what? It it that bad news is a hell of a lot better than letting the game come out and it letting it turn into what this was. Yeah. Um, it's just a harder, it's a harder hill to climb back from a PR standpoint by letting it come out and be this bad. You know what I mean? Yeah. Especially if it's so fucked that the, that the, that the, the art department was told this game is like Far Cry and then the animation team told oh it was God, like dude. Borderlands. It's like, what do we like? It's like two different games and people There's are making... There's that gumbo bullshit yeah. I tell you about all the time, bro. Oh, two departments making that? different games and then they have to now make them fit together. Like, it's like, oh, well, let's, the one this was disjointed as fuck. It started yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. So hopefully, you know, um, I think we've, we've said our piece about Redfall back when it was, you know going to shit uh, during launch but I think what they do from here to me is get the 60 FPS you know patch out work out some of the bugs and, and move the hell on I, like, I would honestly say get the 60 patch on there because you promise and then get the fuck out get out of yeah, dodge the, I don't even think they're updating their Twitter account anymore like I think they've totally like disappeared other than just you know probably server maintenance and things like yeah. that and at this point i think that's probably your best bet just just leave it in the past yeah i, I would hope that they have a little cachet that if they put out hey we're making prey 2 or we're making dishonored that they get some people not maybe the same people but people to come back to kind of work on those kind of prestigious quote-unquote uh uh projects so we'll see because you know yeah yeah they gotta make well, speaking of speaking of interesting projects pablo we do have some updates about a pretty big one uh, yeah. That we uh, saw at the PlayStation Showcase, but talk to us. Yeah, we're hoping to get some uh, some clarification on Metal Gear uh, Solid Delta Snake Eater, and we finally did. IGN had an interview with people be, uh, who are making it, people behind the scenes, and there are a few takeaways from that inter- interview, which I'm going to go over right now. Konami is is directly developing the game with support from Virtual Studios, which is something that was uh, rumored, or at least as stu- uh, Virtual Studios was making the game. But it is yep. a core group at Konami developing the game with their support, so that's good. Hideo Kojima and Yoji Shinko- uh, Shinkawa uh, are not involved with the game in any way. And it's uh, weird because Yoji is actually working at Konami, but you know they're trying to make their own thing, so it's it's it makes sense. No changes will be made to the story with and voice acting uh, is from the original. Uh, so that that was new because I think people were under the impression that they were going to re-record voice uh, and audio and all that good stuff, but that's not the case. And future remakes are possible. But it'll be based on player demand. So now that we have a little more information, uh, a lot of the questions that were lingering and needed to be answered are answered about Metal Gear Solid Delta Snake Eater. How do we feel? More confident in the remake? Less confident? Or either? I mean, how we feel, Marco? <clears throat> uh, I'm probably in the middle at this point. I think I just need to see more of the game. I mean, I think it's just that simple. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting that... Um, they are sticking to the OG voice acting, which I don't know if I have a huge problem with that. Mm. I mean, I don't know if there was anything like wrong with the voice acting that would make me go, oh, that needs to be redone. Like, I don't I don't feel like there's anything that stands out, honestly. And and, and to be frank, some of those performances were so good that I wouldn't want them to. That's right. Um, so I'm, I'm totally OK with that, uh, as well as no changes being made to the story. Um, I think leaving the future remakes up to player demand is a bit strange to me because 
if you're going to dig Metal Gear out of the grave, I would hope you have like a, a true roadmap for the, what you want to do with the series and not necessarily take it on a game-to-game basis. So I, I guess that makes me a little nervous as far as like, okay, how much are you like really pouring into uh, Delta to make this the best game it can possibly be? Um, and I guess what are you going to do, if anything, to combat some of the negative PR about Kojima not being a part of the project and maybe you even omitting his name, which I don't know if that's a, if that's even possible legally, but you know, like it, I don't know. It, it kind of feels like they're doing the right thing by, by keeping the game itself true to the original, but I don't really feel confident in their actual roadmap and how they're going to handle some of the like dissenting opinions about the game uh, in terms of who's not on the project and sort of the limbo They're They're kind of saying that the series would be in. Um, after this game comes out, but that's so that's uh, that's why I'm kind of like I'm not like feeling dreary about it, but I'm also not like oh now I feel relieved. I'm just sort of in the yeah. middle, I guess. Yeah, well, when it comes to the game itself, like Delta Snake Eater, I actually am feeling pretty good about it, just because uh, in terms of like what they've said, what they're doing, and then kind of putting themselves in a position where they have to do a one-for-one remake if they're reusing those voice lines. Uh, I'm, I'm yeah. cool with that. Plus, who's going to redo, uh, uh, you know, that, 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 that little cat meow? You can't, you know. Ocelot's uh, cat meow. The Ocelot, is, oh, yeah, yeah. The Ocelot cat meow. That, that, who's gonna redo that? You can't redo that. That is epic. Uh, but no. But I, I. But here's my concern, though. Is I agree. I thought in my head that maybe they're doing Snake Eater because obviously it's the beginning. But then they're gonna move on and do uh, Peace Walker or something else. And and Peace Walker really needs the love. You know, it really that needs to be remade in a way that is is is. You know it, that is different from what it, how it exists now. Um, so I thought that 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 was the line, and I, I thought that's why they did that. So the fact that they're doing it just because they thought it'd be the best fit or whatever kind of is odd. Because if that's the case, they should have just done MGS One, which really needs a remake. If they have no really plans in terms of restarting the storyline or something like that, so it just feels a little weird that they've they they've done this with no actual plan behind more games, unless they have that plan and they're just kind of you know PR talking out their ass without wanting to over eh, overly commit, be like, oh yeah, we got this incredible plan. You guys gonna it's still Konami and they're still trying to buy back our trust, and maybe that's what's happening. But I can only kind of judge of what they're giving me, and honestly, what they're giving me is I feel like. They're 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 dipping their toe in the water a little bit, seeing how people react, but they have no actual plan as to what's going on in the future, yeah. and that would be disappointing if that that was the actual case. I, I guess the reason why I feel that way is also when I compare it to the Silent Hill comeback. Mm. Like they committed a lot of time, of resources to to like multiple Silent Hill experiences, and this is like oh, we'll do one and we'll kind of yeah. think about it. It just feels like a weird like I don't know if it's just my brain, but I think Metal Gear is like way higher up on the tier of all time franchises. Well, but it seems like obviously there's not the Kojima controversy attached to the Silent Hill thing, but you still well, get like they announced like five games. Yeah, like, what well, the fuck? I think it's because so. Kodami's not making any of them. And I think Kodami's trying to put themselves back into the developer's game space as like we made this game, but they understand that the the the, the people aren't I ready for that. And so I guess that's the yeah. case. Which by the way, speaking of Silent Hill, did you see that that thing that's coming out this year? It's an interactive show. Yeah. Not like yeah. that, Tyler Hill. Not like that. <laughs> Don't do this to me already. <laughs> Flop after a few years. Don't just do it out of the gate like this. Holy shit. 
Go Resident anyway. Evil on me. Not so quick. Oh my gosh. For real. Uh, but at, anyways, that's going to go ahead and do it for hit points this week, bro. Uh, it's time to get to the main event of the show, ladies and gentlemen. So let's not waste any time. Let's jump right in to the checkpoint chat. It's time for the checkpoint chat. All right. So we have done uh, our fair share of uh, game of the years uh, over the years of cooldown time. And um, we, we customarily come back to our game of the year list six months afterwards to take a look at our list with a little bit more hindsight, a little bit more space away from the games we were talking about at the time to ask ourselves, did we fuck that up? (laughs) Um, And so that's what we're going to do with our top 10 games of 2022. Uh, Now, uh, if you're wondering, oh, I didn't listen to you guys do that. Don't worry. We're going to kind of catch you up on what we originally ranked as our top 10 games of the year as a combined list. And then we also had our own little personal top 10s as well. So we'll get you all caught up to speed on that. Don't worry about going back to the old episode unless you really want to hear us deliberate uh, why we picked what we picked. So we got you covered there. Uh, So here's what we're going to do. Pablo, we're going to start off with revisiting our personal top 10 lists. We're going to quickly go through our old list of top 10 games of that year. Then we're going to read off our new list and kind of walk the listeners through why we made some of the changes that we did. And then once we're done with that, we're going to go back and revisit our combined list of top 10 games of 2022 and then decide what needs to stay, what needs to go, and what new additions might actually make the list again with hindsight in mind. So, uh, Pablo, with that being said, let's jump right in. And let's start with the personal top 10s, Pablo. Uh, You had a very interesting personal top 10 list, if I say so myself, last year. But I'm very curious to know uh, what the then and now looks like for you. So go ahead and tell us what your your old list was and then kind of walk us through what's going on now. Yeah, so I'll start from the top here. Uh, Number one was Elden Ring. Number two was Plague Tale Requiem. Number three was Xenoblade Chronicles 3. Number four was God of War Ragnarok. Number five was Midnight Suns. Number six was Lost Judgment Kaito Files. Number seven was Marvel Snap. Number eight was Sniper Elite uh, Sniper Elite 5. Uh, number nine was Pokemon uh, Scarlet. And number 10 was Splatoon 3. That was my top 10 uh, from last year. Okay. So how are you feeling about that in, in retrospect now? And, and uh, what, what's your new list and, and kind of why? Yeah, I mean, in retrospect, I, I look through this list and I understand pretty much every pick that I have here. Uh, with maybe the exception of Sniper Elite 5, which I think it's a game Thank that, I, stand, that I, I stand by that game in terms of how much fun I had with it. But then just kind of the, the, the things that I omitted were kind of like, crazy oh and then uh <laughs> and then kind of like my ranking um the certain games that came up uh, certain games that that went down one specifically are going to have people pretty upset but i have mm. my explanations for it let's go back from the top here my new personal list my number one game is going to always be for this year it's going to be elden ring no no brainer here this was like never in jeopardy easily game of the year 2020 and most other years probably game of the year as well my number two actually changed a little bit. I got Xenoblade Chronicles three at number two. Now it was at my number three. I, I got it. I got it higher because it is. It's an outstanding achievement within a genre that is just 
jam-packed with shit. JRPGs are yeah. coming out always, and this is an outstanding one of those games. It, it stands out. It's probably one of the best JRPGs since Persona 5, which is it's generational at that point. And then not having it at number two, I felt a little wrong. Um, number three is Plague Tale Requiem, which was my original number two. Uh, just down one spot. Uh, I love that story uh, of that game. I think it's some of the best visuals I've seen in terms of just kind of how it, it informs the narrative. I think that the gameplay can be repetitive and lacking, but it doesn't really affect how I felt about that game, and I think that's why I brought it down one, but still my top three games of, of, of that year. Um, okay. And then number, number four, we have something like... This one shot up, and it's because of just the way I felt about this game and how I played. That's Lost Judgment, Kaito Files, went right up to number four. Uh, you know, it's it's a DL story, DLC, but for me, it's, it's a, I counted it as part of my top ten, because it's my top so back off but uh I, I just thought honestly playing this game just felt it was great i love playing these these dragon yakuza like a dragon yakuza games and really the achievement behind it, the narrative a small consumable one of these games and also changing one of these characters that we thought that weren't really anything were really just kind of it was just dress dressing in, in, in the judgment games it's just like uh mm-hmm. you know changing him to be one of my favorite if not my favorite character of the uh, of the judgment um like a dragon series is absolutely outstanding and it's it's an achievement in its own right um uh, my number five is a game that i didn't even have in my top 10 list and it's a game that i i, I really thought about and looking through it i'm like holy shit i'm a fucking idiot for not even having this and that's return to monkey island uh originally i knew it, it yeah i knew it it, it originally was an honorable mention <laughs> But this game really brought me back to when I was playing the hell out of Escape from Monkey Island as a kid, and that's and that was huge. But this game understood the assignment of basically coming back from obscurity, hilarious, brimming with personality, and above all, it was a game about self-reflection, not only about an aging character, which I love, Guybrush Threepwood, but also kind of about the creator himself, Ron Gilbert, and how this game is really not. It's that corny say it's not about the the destination, about the journey. It's not really about the secret of Monkey Island, but just everything how you got there and how that game actually talked about it in that way and how you're informing his child which by the way i have a kid now about disappointment in life and, and how you feel about things and your expectations and what the reality of that all in this dumb stupid fucking game all the context is there it's a amazing beautiful story and i love it it's my number five number six is marvel snap which came up there was a hesitation there last year of putting a mobile game in my top 10 list and i fucked play with it a little bit and i think i fucked it up this game was addictive as hell it took a it took it was the my most game, played game last year in terms of hours even more so than um than than, than elden ring i eclipsed wow. 110 hours in this game for sure uh it's a game that even today and this year i come back to maybe a couple of times in a month and, and really enjoy it it's just it's it's one of those games that really makes you feel like a genius when you plan shit out and it's just it's a fun it's a, there's something to be said about fun and i think a lot of people want to do our top 10 list and be like well this is uh you know high and mighty about how they feel about a certain game and mobile games usually aren't looked upon as favorable amongst the people in the hobby but this is a 
outstanding fucking game and it's gonna be huge when it comes out on on on, on consoles which I'm, I'm 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 betting that it will one day uh and then number seven uh midnight suns perhaps recency bias had it at five for me then i still think it's a blast uh, i recently found that i enjoy these kind of games and it's the dumbed down version that i love about these kinds of games and i think it's awesome has that that feeling of me playing with my action figures and crashing of my batman into legos or in this case a spider-man into legos in terms of the environmental hazards in the game it had mm-hmm. and just kind of always setting it up for that i just loved i'd love this game to be, uh, uh, pieces uh and that's at my number seven number eight god of war ragnarok holy shit how the mighty have fallen listen um uh i know you, you you people are probably losing your mind and 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 i know that you've heard of me talk about this game even recently and how much i love it and how great it is i still think it's, it's great i still love it but i gotta call it for what it is and when you think about it about how what this game it has nothing to do with recycled animations or feeling like it had nothing to do with that it's the fact that this game made some promises it's in the title Ragnarok and the way that they went about it the way they went about the storytelling just never felt epic never felt like I was in this moment that they've promised like the promise of bigger and better just out to be snowy and frozen uh, and the huge battle that was promised felt small the fact that Kratos was the the general of this huge army and there was like five people ever on screen <laughs> just it just felt weird and then the, the whole Ragnarok experience and then the whole uh, I love I, I love Thor and the, his characterization even Odin but how at the end that kind of just fell apart and just it just didn't really do much for me in terms of the payoffs for each of those characters I I think that Thor's ending wasn't tragic because of the way it was written it was tragic because it was really it was written badly I, I think that I really do think that about God of War Ragnarok uh, at the end of the day I, th- I still think it's an amazing game and, and it's an accomplishment within it, uh, the sequel but it, it, it's good enough to be my number 8 uh, game of the year number 9 is Neon White a game that I left out uh, completely again Something to be said about uh, about fun. Just a game that obviously, if you if I explain it to you, would nobody wants to fucking play this game. If you explain it to them in terms of like it's a trial run uh, card game, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, I know. Yeah, the trailers give this game yeah. such a bad look. It's oh god. Yeah, but this game is a blast. Another game that makes you feel so good uh, to accomplish something in a video game. Like, you start off like, oh, I, how can I do this in 30 seconds? And then by the time you're done, you've done it in eight. You know, it's it's mm-hmm. it's just this repetition, and it's done so well. It falls apart a little bit at the end. I think it gets a little too complex for its own good. And I think that the hazards in each of those levels are kind of lame towards the end of it. But I think leading up, the story was fucking surprisingly hilarious and funny and just kind of uses tropes to its advantage i i thought it was really uh, a really great game and it should definitely be my number nine game here at the end white number 10 pokemon scarlet a uh, game that um i kept on my top 10 it's a game that i still think about in terms of like how awesome of a pokemon experience that it was i know that it had its issues and even with 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 uh with tears of the kingdom and how immaculate that game is it kind of leaves your head scratching as to how bad pokemon scarlet is because pokemon scarlet does not look play or look as good uh, as as tears of the kingdom and yet it it, it struggles with just kind of uh going from existing moment to moment. <laughs> existing yeah honestly but honestly just in terms of like a pokemon experience kind of seeing past that which hard to do and I know we shouldn't always do but in this case I really felt like Pokemon is a, is a special kind of game that should be recognized and I want to see more of these kinds of games and I hope that they get the fucking technical shit under control but yeah that's my uh, top new top 10 six months later how do you think Mark nice 
I think uh, I think almost everything that I thought you were going to change is what changed. I, yeah. I, I I know me some Pablo. I gotta let. <laughs> I, I, the thing about you is I gotta kind of let you process me, the yeah. things in real time. But but I knew Marvel Snap was going to be too high. It was a little bit of recency. But I can't tell you that at the time because you're gonna be like, no. But I got I got to let you simmer with. But no, I think that's um those are those are fair adjustments. And you know, anytime you join me in the dark side of God of War Ragnarok slander, I'm I'm all about it. <laughs> um, so uh, let me go ahead and tag in real quick. Talk about my old top ten list. Uh, and here's what I had. So number one, I had Xenoblade Chronicles three, a game that I thought was one of the best JRPGs ever made. I still feel, I feel that way. Uh, number two, I had Elden Ring. Number three, I had Stray. Number four, Ghostwire Tokyo. Number five, Horizon Forbidden West. Number six, A Plague Tale Requiem. Number seven, The Last of Us Part One. Number eight, Norco. Number nine, The Callisto Protocol. And number 10, Neon White. Um, so... I have made some pretty significant changes to my list. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm interested in, in, in it's particularly one game. Let's see what happens. Well, which one is it? Which one is it? Just for the no, hell of it. Stray. I want to see where Stray goes. Okay. Well, um, let's talk about it because uh, my new list has the exact same top five as it did before. Bull, bullshit, <laughs> get the fuck out of here. <laughs> I let it happen. All right, so yeah, so that means, um, let, and let me explain why. Yeah. Um, number one is still Xenoblade Chronicles 3. Um, and I, I battled with this one hard because this game and Elden Ring were fighting for that number one spot. But I still, I still lean towards Xenoblade Chronicles 3 because of that damn story, man. The ending of those chapters, the plot revelations, the 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 vast cast of characters that each were really unique and, and added something beneficial to the story, the moments, the open world, the scale, the freedom, all of that stuff to me has not wavered in my mind a bit when it comes to the game's greatness. In fact, it's kind of aged like fine wine a little bit, uh, albeit six-month-old wine, you know, just contextually speaking. But still in all, I think this is absolutely still um, one of my absolute favorite JRPGs and games of all time. It is in my top 10 ever, so I'm not playing around with this game. So, you know, Pablo moved it up to number two. I kept it at number one because uh, I just think this game is an incredible thing. So that does mean that Elden Ring, yes, is still my number two favorite game of 2022. Um and through no fault of its own, I, I love it just as much. I, I'm still annoyed with the, those same little things, particularly with the story and some of the performance issues, which still haven't been addressed, um, you know, or at least very well, that is. Um, but I still think that game is absolutely a masterclass in open world um, design. Um, I think it is an incredibly influential game that really made the industry and the community rethink what makes a great open world game what it is. So it's absolutely deserving of all the acclaim that it gets. But for me, that it just couldn't it just couldn't cross that threshold uh, to get to where Xenoblade Chronicles Three was for me. Number three is still Stray, y'all. I don't give a shit. Um, I think that game is is fantastic. It's one of the best examples of a game that does not pad you to death with a bunch of bullshit you don't care about. It's a very short four to five hour game that does what it sets out to do, has great atmosphere, interesting little gameplay, um, amazing soundtrack, um, 
eerie but cool presentation. It just it it's a Marco ass game to the core, uh, and I still hold it in the highest regard even now. Um, so y'all just got to deal with it. It just is what it is. It won awards for a reason. I'll say that. So I stand by that. Um, number four for me is Ghostwire Tokyo. Uh, that has also not moved at all. Um, you know, I still think that it's an amazing journey through Tokyo, uh, this, this derelict eerie Tokyo to kind of seek answers and survival and hope for, you know, these, these new characters we got Akito and, and his, uh, his sidekick KK. Um, I really liked the, the way that they added to the game over time. They added some new content into it. Um, and honestly, I think that it's one of my favorite places to just kind of go back and play through just to kind of fuck around and do a couple of side missions. And, and dip out. I just love that world. I love what it did. Um, and I love its twist on horror that I thought was a really interesting, um, almost fear-like rendition of, of horror titles. So I, I think that is absolutely uh, still a number four game for me. Five is still Horizon Forbidden West. Uh, haters be damned. Pablo be damned. It's I still number five. Existed. I'm not even That's lying. okay. Because I didn't forget a damn thing. Aloy is uh is at her best in this game in my opinion uh i still i i love i love the breathlessness man because this game's visuals took my breath away um took my breath away don't make me do that don't make me get my (laughs) vocals out all right i'll defend her like that no but all seriousness i i really you know in coming back to this game giving myself a real concerted effort to play it i found myself really enjoying a lot of things that i kind of didn't like the first time around um so i am absolutely still a stand for this uh franchise after this and you know obviously the dlc doesn't count in this deliberation thing but you know since then the uh you know for um, burning shores dlc to me i think was an incredible uh, add-on to that as well Number six is Norco. I moved that up uh, a couple spots. I, Looking back on it, I think I kept it down too low because I thought it would be too niche to put higher. I kind of think this game was you know, damn near a top five game for me, honestly. Uh, I've never played a game like this before in my life. It's, it's probably my favorite point-and-click adventure game ever. Um, the, the surreal atmosphere, the, the story, the eclectic characters, um, the weird sci-fi and cult elements, the socioeconomic commentary. This game just does some truly one-of-a-kind things. Uh, I, I can't for the life of me figure out why Pablo hasn't tried it yet or, or played did, enough of it yet. But it's, it's so good, dude. I don't know how you wouldn't love it, but it's definitely my number six. I, I think it's incredible. Yeah. Um, seven. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. No, it's just a game that I have to get back to. Uh, but I thought everything that I did was, I agree with you. I thought it was like, the sense of place was absolutely fucking outstanding. Yeah. It's one of my favorite games of all time, honestly. Yeah. Um, it might even go higher up on this list by the time I get done with this damn recording. But uh, number seven is Neon White. <laughs> <laughs> kind of regretting it, honestly. Uh, number seven is Neon White. Bring straight um, down. That's straight. Yeah. No, 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 no. Huh? Um, Neon White number seven. Yeah. Uh, I, I love it just as much as I did, you know, uh, six months ago. Uh, probably a little bit more. I moved it up a couple spots here because it was my number ten formerly. Um, I think that the gameplay here was just crack cocaine for a while. Uh, the art style, I love the art style. The music has a very Suda Fifty One kind of aesthetic to it in a weird way. Um, but unfortunately, the story for me just kind of hampered the experience a little bit uh, and left something to be desired. That's probably why it wasn't higher up. But man, for a while there, this game was in my top three. Uh, number eight is a new addition, uh, and that is the quarry. So 
This game came out for PlayStation Plus as uh, one of the free games on the collection. I played it and fucked around and liked it, man. I think this is actually their best game um, since Until Dawn, by far. Um, I think the story was very interesting. The acting was good. The visuals were good. Um, the moments were, were very memorable. Like I was locked in this game, dude. And, um, you know, I could see how people don't like it. It's, it's very much the teeny bopper slasher thing, but I actually found it more palatable than I found some of their other games, especially like the, um, the dark anthology thing, the dark pictures anthology. I think this is way better than that kind of thing. Um, so I thought this was, uh, actually a very gripping experience that actually moseyed on over to my top 10 at the number eight spot. Number nine is a Plague Tale Requiem. I bumped this hoe down. Um, and and, and I, I think the reason why I did that was just because um, something about that gameplay, uh, the stiffness of it, it just felt really, really tough to, to do what I wanted to do, to do in that game. For as much as I love that story, I felt like I was fighting that game's controls a lot, and it just didn't feel as nimble uh, as I hoped it would as a sequel. Um, in some ways, it was even like a little bit worse than the, than the original uh, in, in, in certain respects. Uh, it wasn't quite as stiff, but then there were some things that just weren't very intuitive that it was trying to do like as a new gameplay feature that just didn't feel right for me. And I think it, 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 I tried to come back and play it a little bit again, and I'm like, man, this feels really rigid. Um, so for as much as I adore that story, especially how it ended, I think the gameplay, the stealth elements and some of like the, the fail states in that game just kind of make it a little bit too, uh, you know, rickety for me to, to keep it any higher than nine. And then number 10 as dusk falls. Um, I kind of sold this game short in my brain and I don't know why I was really locked into this game. The story was really gripping. Mm-hmm. The, the, some of those chapters were like bombshells were Chapter happening, two, man. Yeah. Yeah, dude, I have never forgot that stuff. And, and the way that it delved into family drama, marital issues, financial issues as a family, PTSD, uh, and things like that, I thought it really dabbled in some very interesting themes that, um, looking back on it, I'm like, fuck, that was really like a powerful ass game, man. I, yeah. I, I, I really enjoyed it. So um, it was a controversial one because of the art style, but I think the story is what kind of stuck in my brain after all this time. And I'm like, ah, I, got, I, I think that's a top 10 game in my opinion. I don't so. know. I think the art style works in its, in its favor for me. I, I, I like, I like the, a lot of the way that it yeah. was like, just stiff like images but like they really portrayed a lot of emotion in those faces and in the animation i can't wait for two uh, part two of that game honestly yeah i i hope that we're still gonna get it actually i i don't know if they're still committed to doing it but i hope they do because that was really fun um so that's kind of where we're landing on the personal side of things pablo but we do have a top 10 combined list that we have that represents cooldown time as a whole um and i think it's safe to say that changes are due Um, here's what we had originally as our top 10 games of 2022 collectively. Um, we had Elden Ring at number one. We had a Plague Tale Requiem at number two, Xenoblade Chronicles at number three, God of War Ragnarok at number four, Stray at number five, Marvel's Midnight Suns at number six, Neon White at number seven, Ghostwire Tokyo at eight, Horizon Forbidden West at nine, and Splatoon 3 at number 10. So, Pablo, what we're going to do here is um, first, let's see what new contenders, if you will, we want to throw into the pot here uh, after thinking on things and talking through our personal list. Um, let's talk about the games that we want to add to the to the conversation first. 
Then after we add those games into the pool, we're going to make more cuts again to narrow the list back down to 10. And then we're going to re-rank this list um, from 1 to 10 based on those conversations and get our final, final top 10 list of 2022 games uh, for cooldown time. So, Pablo, our list of new contenders, we added the Quarry, we added Return to Monkey Island, we added Norco, As Dusk Falls, Pokemon Scarlet slash Violet, and Marvel Snap. Um, now, Pablo, um, it, it, so as far as your additions are concerned, obviously yours was Return to Monkey Island, Pokemon, and Marvel Snap. Um, why did you think that those were worth revisiting as far as our combined uh, list here? Well, I think for me, Return to Monkey Island in particular was a game that I just completely just shit the bed on in terms of not having it in my top 10. And I just feel like it needs to be recognized even within our Game of the Year award just because of the fact that it it is sitting at number five in my list. You know, it is pretty high yeah. up there. Uh, That's a big and, deal. Yeah. And then Pokemon Scarlet and Violet and Marvel Snap. It just those are games that I enjoy thoroughly. And, and I don't even think we really gave them much of a chance um, on mm. our top ten to begin with. And I feel like there are other games on here that even games that I am good with that should definitely be either lowered or not even be on the list at all, which I'd be good with taking, uh, getting rid of. But that's kind of the reason yeah. behind my list. My, uh, and I think it's, I think it's important to also say that we're adding these new contenders, but we might very well cut them right back out. Uh, I yeah. think it's more about like, let's see if this feels right, adding it to the top 10, but some of these might not be a yes. Um, right. Yeah. Mine oh, were the quarry. Sure. Yeah. Mine were the quarry Norco and as dusk falls for the reasons I just mentioned, I think, um, the quarry really took me by surprise because of the negativity that I heard about the game, but playing it myself, I'm like, actually, this is pretty incredible. Norco. I think you just heard me gush about that pretty well enough to know why I think that deserved another look. And same goes for as dusk falls for it's, uh, uh, what I think is a pretty awesome narrative. And, and a lot of the, a lot of the things they did as far as like the telltale style of, you know, you can have a completely different path than oh, mine. Yeah. And I think did. we, we did, yeah, and I think that that ought to be celebrated maybe a little bit more than you know we we did initially. I think we kind of went, oh, that's cool, but other games were kind of more like you know the bigger and shinier object in our brains at the time. So um, that's where we're at. So that that kind of boosts our list from a ten piece to a sixteen. Um, so I think with that being said, Pablo, now we're kind of at a point where. We got to decide some cuts here, um, and I'm, I'm really curious to get your thoughts based on kind of our old list here. Is there anything that you think absolutely was a mistake to have in our top 10 that should actually go? Well, no. I don't think there's anything on our list that is an absolute mistake that should that, that should go because it was mistakenly put up there. I just think there's something that should go because there's just other better options. The most, the biggest glaring one to me is Splatoon 3. It's a game that okay. fell out of our both of our top ten, and I don't. Yeah. I, that doesn't necessarily mean that. I just I collectively, as I don't think that game should even have a spot in our top ten. You know. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think that game's shelf life for me was surprisingly limited. As much of yeah. a fan as I am of Splatoon, it just felt a little too repetitive in ways that I was hoping it wouldn't be. So. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm. I think it's. I think it's time to get that off the list. It was nice to have it there, holding a seat for somebody else for the last <laughs> six months. But uh, yeah, that's kind of where I, I'm at with you too. So that brings us down to 15 games now, Pablo. Um, let me. Uh, okay, 
I, I think I want to talk about one of the new additions here. Um, I'm really curious about Marvel Snap, Pablo, because I know you, you kind of mentioned a little while ago you that was your most played uh, game of last year. That's a pretty big deal. So sure. I, I, I guess I want to kind of get a, a heat check on that in terms of do you think that now, looking back, that's enough to kind of maybe justify securing it as a top 10 or do you still kind of feel like there's a little bit of a an opening to kind of still cut it anyway where are you at yeah no i think there's still an opening uh to cut it i you know okay I, obviously look one of the reasons is one of my most played games it's because it's good but also because it's on my phone and it's everywhere i go that's the reason why grindstone also got like 100 plus hours uh, of play. i remember it's because, that yeah it's because it's on my phone and it's good you know it's hard it, it's hard when games are it's hard to put a game down that's that good. It's on your phone. It's easy accessible to do anything, you know. Yeah. So I, I, on that on that premise alone, I don't think we should judge it. But also on the fact that I think it's a great game. I think it's awesome. I think it, what it does is really cool. I just don't okay. think it really competes in the list with other games on here. So we can cut okay. that. Yeah. You want to go ahead and cut it? Okay. Yeah, we can cut it. Okay. So that brings us down to fourteen games now, Pablo. Um. Okay. I I kind of want to just go ahead and tackle it. <laughs> Um, because it's pretty low on your list now, and it's not on my list at all. Yeah, God of War Ragnarok, Pablo. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I went on a pretty big tangent about that game in terms of, to me, the, the many problems that it has with pacing, narrative issues, um, ham-fisted story, the groan-worthy puzzle solving. I, I think I just really really did not enjoy that game much at all to me i think it's a mediocre game and i want to say this as a side note some of you listeners tried to kill me for that but i think um i still stand by that 100 percent, man you know when i think of god of war i don't think of standing around and doing arrow puzzles i don't think about throwing my axe at at a fucking you know uh waterfall to make this freeze and reroute the water like that's just not god of war to me and I think that game really kind of lost its way, especially in the middle uh, portion. Then you add on the, you know, the little irritating issues like the awful map, the the horrible menus and UI, um, and I, a lot of the the lulls that that game has. The MacGuffin with the whole mask thing. I don't want to get too spoilery for anybody who hasn't played it yet, but you know. And then teasing the death of Kratos. Is he gonna die? Like, of course he wasn't gonna fucking die. Why would Sony want to kill off their flagship character? You know what I mean? So it just felt a little bit like, what even is this? And then to your point earlier about Ragnarok not really being very Ragnarok-y and um, the ending feeling really kind of cheesy and like, oh, everybody just so happens to be here to send you off. Like, bye. You know, like, Mm -hmm. it was a lot of goofiness there too. So I, I... I'm honestly, you know, if we want to keep it on the list, I think I'm cool with that. But I think at the very least, it should be lower or at the very most, it maybe should go. What do you no, think? I, I think it definitely should still be in our top 10. I just think okay. it is way too high. I mean, look, and, and this is not a tit for tat or because of this, because of that. I think that Horizon Forbidden West is a game that we're kind of in the same boat, but uh, uh, on the opposite. Right. Where yeah. it's not on my list at all. It is on your list. It's in your top five, of course. But I, you know, I'm not gonna say I despise the game, but that game, I can't stomach it. But I still think it deserves a a a a a, a spot in our list in our top ten. Yeah. It's top five for you. So I, I kind of feel the same way about that. So four is way too high, uh, way too high. I'm thinking, I'm thinking like around 
Well, we'll rank it. We'll, we'll rerank yeah. it later. But uh, if it I'm stays, low, it stays. It stays, but I just think it'll be lower for sure. Yeah. Okay. All right. So then we do need to make four cuts, then Pablo, to get this back down to ten. Um, I will sacrifice one um, for the good of the many, and that is Ghostwire Tokyo. Um, it is my number four game of the year, but I understand it is a very polarizing game especially when you think about like after the fact when the Xbox version came out, came out with a lot of problems and I think it kind of put a bad taste in people's mouth. Now I still enjoyed it. I don't think it did really anything for you at all. Um, but, but I, I see other games that we've added to the list that we might be a little bit stronger about. But, I, but, but, but how about the query though? I feel nothing for that game and it's lower on your list. Maybe that should go before. Okay. Yeah. I can see I, that. And the same thing with Pokemon Scarlet uh, uh, Violet. I mean, it's my 10 game. And then honestly, while deliberating this on my own in terms of top 10, it was rickety. I mean, it almost didn't make my top 10. So, mm. like, I mean, there are other easier cuts. I don't think Ghostwire should go at all, honestly. Okay, so what, what would you what would you volunteer? Is there anything from our old list that you think needs to go now? Or, or are you looking at Yeah, straight. Get that shit out of here. No, no. Um, you didn't even play. You played no, 20 no, yeah. minutes of that. No, I played less than 20 minutes. <laughs> Not because I just I, I think um, Pokemon Scarlet Violet gotta go. Okay. Uh, okay. Um, let me ask go. you about Midnight Suns real quick because I know you said there was a little bit of recency bias there, but yeah, I think I should that enough go to from our top ten. Yeah. Okay. I still like that okay. game quite a bit. I love it actually. Uh, but at our top ten personal top t- our top 10 like as a as a collective I, I i don't think that that makes sense in our top 10 okay so now we have two more cuts to make um four of our new additions are still on the list for right now that's the quarry return of monkey island norco as dusk falls uh along with the games that still remain from our original list um i i would I re- be well yeah. go ahead go ahead i really ahead. want monkey island to make it yeah, I was gonna say I would be cool with keeping Monkey Island on the list as a as a as a new lock, yeah, as it were. So um, we will do that. We will make sure that stays. Um, is are we still passionate about Neon White staying on the list? Um, where does it at, where where is it at for you on your new list? Well, it was I remember I never made my list to begin with, and now it uh, okay. is number eight. Yeah, no, number nine. Number okay. nine. Okay, it's it's seven for me. Um, not that we have to base it off of that, but I'm just no, trying to see if we're as strong about that. How about well, I'll, I'll go ahead and cut As Dust Falls. I don't think it made your list. I I know you enjoyed it, but I yes. I just don't think there's probably enough passion for that to keep it here. Which means we have one more cut to make. I would say the quarry, um, but that's up to you. Yeah, I can see that. That's fine. Okay. We'll go ahead and cut the quarry. Although I, I really loved that game. I think it was way better than I think I heard from the media for sure. Uh, so, okay. So I guess where that leaves us now uh, before we re-rank the list is um, eight of the games that we had in our original list have stayed. Um, and two of the new additions have made the cut to our top 10. And now we need to kind of re-rank this entire list here. But just to summarize for the listeners where we're at now, we are at, uh, we still have Elden Ring, a Plague Tale Requiem. Xenoblade Chronicles 3, God of War Ragnarok, Stray, Neon White, Ghostwire Tokyo, Horizon Forbidden West, Return to Monkey Island, and Norco. Um, so as far as uh, God of War Ragnarok, I think we both agree that needs to kind of be lower. 
Yeah. Um, I'll tentatively put it at the bottom just to you know yep. kind of start the organization process here. Although I'm okay with staying it, keeping it right damn there. Um, so, anything stand out to you, Pablo? Ranking well, wise, yeah, Xenoblade Chronicles three at three seems a little high for it, considering it dropped significantly for you, and it dropped yeah. one for me. True. Um, True. I, okay. I just want. I just kind of want to stop. I, I don't want to like fucking like delay the the obvious i think xenoblade chronicles has to go at two and then we'll have a conversation later about whether we're flipping elden ring and xenoblade chronicles uh but i think that i think the lock for one and two is elden ring whether and and, and xenoblade chronicles three whether that's the order we'll we'll see but i think that's what how it has to be there uh, I, I mean i'm actually okay with that I, I don't have any objection to keeping elden ring at number one okay to well, be honest right. i those, like I said, those games were fighting back and forth on my own list, so I, the fact that it's like this on this list doesn't bother me. So I'm going to go ahead and I'll bold those as the lock for number one and number two. Yeah. Um, and beyond this, I think it gets a little interesting, right? Because um, yeah. we can go a lot of directions here. Um, so where, where play, are you kind of at Yeah, here? play tail, well, we already mentioned, is too high, so that's going to go down. Okay. Um, but what would be a number three game? And I think at, at this point we have to kind of accept the fact that somebody's game yeah, is going to yeah, be not number yeah. three that won't be one of the other person's games. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's okay. But that's totally fine. I, I, I feel like in terms of passion... Um, hmm. Well, I mean, in terms of passion, it's going to be stray. Fucking... Bullshit. She's <laughs> such a hater. You hate cats and you hate you hate um, mammals. Um, where is the play till at with you? That's pretty high. I mean, it's number three overall for me. Um, but Honestly, I see. That... I don't mind keeping it there, dude. I really don't. I don't mind keeping it at, at three on our combined list. Uh, it went down for me, but I, that story is still but incredible. It went. It I, went it, yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm okay with that. Yeah. In terms of passions. Yeah, I, I think that's a pretty easy fit for number three that I don't look at and go, well, that's weird. Um, from here, we have to rank four through ten. That leaves Stray, Neon White, okay. Ghostwire, Tokyo, Horizon, Monkey Island, Norco, God of War. Is Neon is Neon White too high? It feels like it, yeah. Okay. It feels like it. I think... Um, you had a passionate kind of uh, diatribe about Norco. Mm -hmm. And I think that should probably be top five somewhere. Okay. We'll put that in the upper bracket for now. Um, but, so yeah. we'll do that. And take Neon White out of there. And we'll move Neon White down to the bottom. And we'll, listeners, we'll, we'll keep you updated every so often on what we're doing here um so hmm. i like that top five i don't know i feel like return to monkey island's got something to say being in that top five yeah but i think um i could move straight down and um you know or norco down and you can get I, I think return to monkey island is one of your favorite franchises of all time it seems yeah. silly that it would be in the bottom yeah, I, well, I was thinking more like six, but five is good. I mean, like, yeah. it's up to you, really, on that. No, I'm cool with the No, it's, it's, it's up to us. Yeah. So, no, I'm cool with that. 
I know that was a game that you had been looking forward to for a long time, and it seemed yeah. to deliver. So I think that I should be accounted for. I don't know what the fuck for. was wrong with me last year. I didn't. I don't know what happened. Yeah, dude. It seemed like I was. I was kind of surprised hearing you talk about it so passively. I'm like, man, I thought this was like his jam, and and, and it, and it was, was, and it and it turned out to be yeah. my jam. It's just like it goes to show you like mood and and kind of where you're at game wise at certain points of the year can kind of dictate things in a way that's kind of strange. But yeah, I'm I'm glad you kind of came around to it. I I think what it was, I was being a little bit too uh, overtly trying to stop my uh, like my my emotional state at the moment, get in the way (laughs) of it because I'm I was a new I'm a new father and that's really about your child. And it's like, yeah, you know, I was putting a lot of my shit into that game as well. So it's kind of felt like it's not maybe what the game is is trying to do. But the more I thought about it, the more I realized it's exactly what the game was trying to do. Yeah, no, that's I've been there before, man. Trust yeah. me. So I think our top five is pretty much good. Then I think we got Elden Ring at number one, Xenoblade Chronicles number two, Playtale Requiem at three, uh, Stray at number four, and Return to Monkey Island at five. So I think we just need to organize the bottom five, and I think we got our list here. Um, I don't know. I like that bottom five pretty good. <laughs> oh really? Okay. Yeah. I mean, so I, would would be... say, I would. I would want God of War. I would want God of War higher than. I would Horizon. want God of War at eight, but. I mean, no, that's, that's I'm not that's gonna fine. I'm not gonna fight that. I mean, I'm not you know I'm not on a campaign to you know I'm I'm most of the time being facetious about God of War. I just did I didn't I don't think it's a bad game. I just didn't enjoy it like other people. I, I don't mind it being you know on the list or in a decent it, man. place. I'll be honest. So what we have here would be at the bottom half would be Norco at six, Neon White at seven, God of War at eight, Ghostwire Tokyo at nine, and Horizon at number ten. Um, which I can I can totally live with that. Um, man, I really want pe- more people to play Norco, man. I know that's going to be a weird pick for people. Like, what the fuck is this goofy-ass, point-and-click-ass, no, bullshit-ass game? But uh, it's so it's so good. Um, I kind of think we're good here, man, unless yeah. you have any last-minute objections or double-checking no, anything. kind of... Last year was a weird year for games, man. Like, it just... I agree. It's weird that you got Horizon, Forbidden West, and God of War Ragnarok towards the bottom, and games like Stray, Return to Monkey Island, or and even Plague Tale are top three. That that just goes to show like nothing is guaranteed in terms of the IP. Like it's yeah. they might have a lot behind it, but something's gonna happen where down the road where it's gonna take your shit, gonna take your your fucking lunch. <laughs> and these games did that for sure. Yeah. And plus, I think we also had a, a a lot of you know delays, you know, like Starfield, Redfall, obviously. At the time, we you know those were a big part of what the year was supposed to be too, and it was like, oh well, those are gone now. So we almost had to reach into like like deep cuts of like, oh like I, yeah, yeah, this game you, would never be on a top ten list, but right. we had no choice. You kind of find them, you kind of find those moments in the top ten where it's like, all right, unique experiences that you might have not had if you weren't busy in June playing Diablo four and fucking Final Fantasy sixteen, right? Exactly. So yeah. this, this this year probably in Game of the Year is going to be a little bit more straightforward, probably because it's huge temple IP but because they exist within the year but last year was interesting i think it was a real uh, uh, i think it was a real kind of a test for us in terms of the hobby uh, whether or not it's uh, it was sustainable for us to even do a show <laughs> because of these yeah. games so but yeah man i like this list a lot i think it, it has it's mixed some of the best games of last year and some of the most unique experiences of last year and i think that this is a great list man uh, way better than the one we had last year i, I would have yeah to say. Yeah, I have to admit, I think that was one of our weirdest lists that we put together. Um, 
and it, it, it'll it'll be interesting to see what we do differently this time around. Again, like you said, with like you know much bigger IP like the Final Fantasies, Diablo, Zelda's, you know, coming around new IP like Starfield. Like it can be a total wild card kind of thing, uh, or it can be a wet fart. You know, like you never know. Um, but yeah, this list in particular was really weird. But we, I think to your point, we have what I think is the final forever crystallized, cemented top ten games of 2022 six months later coming in at number 10 is horizon forbidden west coming in at number nine is ghostwire tokyo at number eight god of war ragnarok at number seven neon white at number six norco at number five return to monkey island at number four stray number three a plague tale requiem number two xenoblade chronicles three mm-hmm. and the number one game of 2022, according to your friends at Cooldown Time, is Elden Ring. Um, yeah, boy. We did it. Um, so, yeah, this is going to be it for us. <laughs> we, we got the list done, and uh, we're leaving it alone forever until we probably hate it another year from now, and we go, why did we do that? Uh, what is a monkey island anyway? Um, <laughs> monkey? Why would I want to go back? <laughs> <laughs> That is stupid. All right, man. Well, that is going to do it for this week's episode of the show, but you are not going to want to miss our next episode coming up where we tackle the Summer Game Fest and the Xbox and Starfield showcases, ladies and gentlemen. So if you haven't subscribed to our show, please do so on your way out today. We really appreciate it, and uh, that'll make sure that you get notified when we drop that episode, which you're not going to want to miss. Until then, that is going to do it for this week's show. Uh, Follow us on Instagram and Twitter if you don't mind at It's Cool Down Time. Uh, And thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. Peace out. Make me feel good.